All right, welcome back. So we are going to move right into the esteem building responses. So you will skip the homework section on week one. We'll come back to that as always. You have a note sheet so you can move past that. Keep it handy if you'd like to jot some things down. And then you'll be on the esteem building responses sheet, which is your third sheet for week seven material. So what this entire week centers on is helping kids develop self-esteem. One of the most significant traits that they can develop in childhood because it will influence everything about them being an adult. And last week in the six and seven combination week where we talked about choices, that was the precursor because the more we give children choices, the more they learn to accept responsibility and ownership and develop a good sense of self and therefore that their decisions have outcomes. So that lays the foundation, esteem building this week, which is helping them to feel that they can believe in themselves, trust themselves, that they are capable, competent, and confident. That's a lot of similar words all in one mouthful. So you want them to make sure they feel these things, but the way that they feel them is through trying. And then next week we move into kind of the final stage of that, which is the encouragement piece. So all three of these kind of weave together and it's very important to make sure that you see how they are connected. So I wanted to make sure that was clear that one kind of flows into the next. So when we are talking about esteem building responses, it's very important for us to help our kids develop a sense of self. You know, there are a lot of self statements out there. There's self-confidence, self-esteem, self-awareness, self-worth, self-identity. There's so many self statements and that's because that is a natural process that we go through as humans. We try to figure out who we are. So, Self-actualization is something we talk about a lot in our field, which is becoming the best version of yourself that you can be. So when you have the opportunity to let your children develop those things, it's so important and powerful. So while we, of course, want to provide unconditional love and acceptance of the child, which everything we've talked about through this whole process is part of that. It's, I'm here, I hear you, I understand, and I care. Those be with attitudes. And it's communicating that I love and accept you unconditionally through all of these skills and tools that we've been using. But it's also by helping them feel competent and capable. So those experiences, when they feel competent and capable, they're able to figure out what it is to problem solve and to be determined to figure something out, to work really hard to make sense of something that maybe is very confusing or difficult. Those are very meaningful moments for them. And that is what drives them to feeling capable and that they can trust themselves. So when we show faith in their abilities, when we allow them to struggle with a problem, but coupled with that, we have to encourage them. And we'll talk a lot about encouragement next week, esteem building responses this week. We can't just let them struggle and flail in the sea on their own. They need us to be encouraging to them while they are working on these things. So as they are struggling and we're encouraging them, this is how this is birthed in them. And it is hard, especially for moms. I think moms struggle with this a little more than dads. It is very difficult for us 
to not step in, not take over, not want to help. And often, I believe as adults, we recognize that it is much easier and quicker if we just do it. So sometimes it's a time issue and an efficiency issue because look, if it's going to take a child five minutes to open a lid of a container and we could do it in 4.2 seconds, it makes sense sometimes to just go here and give it right back and be done. So a lot of times it's an efficiency and a time constraint, but it is hard for us to sit back and watch our children struggle. That is a difficult process but it is necessary because through that they figure out what they can do. And we want, obviously, we want them to have a positive view of self. And as they accomplish that and as they struggle through it and as they prove, yes, I am capable of doing these things, they are then given credit for their ideas and for their effort and for their accomplishments. And so it's a self-rewarding cycle. And we'll talk a lot more about that next week as well because encouragement is a piece of that too. So in the next little section of this sheet, you can see the esteem building responses to use in play sessions. So as always, this training is structured in such a way that as you work on a skill and learn it, your main goal, primary goal, is to use it in that play session that week. Obviously, if it spills over into everyday parenting moments, that just means that it's becoming more natural for you to use it. But the goal is when you have your 30 minute playtime, that's when you will use this skill. So they're giving you a, a little bit of a cheat sheet there of eight esteem building responses specifically for use in the play sessions. Now, you can certainly universalize this to everyday moments as well. And a lot of these will carry over. Some of them may be a little more playroom or play session specific, but you can certainly use esteem building responses all the time. But at the beginning, the challenge is to use them in those 30 minute special times. So here are some examples that you might use. You did it. You figured it out. You liked the way that turned out. You decided you want, you know, just how you want that to look you knew that was how that was supposed to fit together. You're not giving up. You're determined to figure that out. You have a plan. So I feel it necessary to acknowledge the first word of all of those esteem building responses, you. Just like most of the other skills that we have covered, the primary and very clear focus is on the child. We get caught up in often saying, I can tell, I can see, I feel, I think, I know. I know you know how to do that. I think you can figure it out. And we get kind of stuck in this belief that I statements are helpful. And I suppose in the psychology world, the use of I statements has become a prominent figure in that dialogue. However, CPRT and child center play therapy very purposefully start sentences with you because it is clear where the focus is. It is on the child. You are building esteem in the child. It has nothing to do with what you think. So your go-to start of most sentences to use most skills is you. And I hope that you're starting to see your language change, that you are naturally defaulting to starting your sentences with you because that is reflecting feelings, that is esteem building, that is choice giving, that is limit setting even. 
there's so much there that all starts with you. So I hope that you see that thread woven through. So those are some esteem building responses that are commonly used in play sessions based on what happens in those play times. Here are five examples now that we will talk through together so that you can see how that might work practically speaking. So example one, your child works and works and works to get the lid of the Play-Doh off and they finally get it. And it's so interesting because I feel, I, I totally relate to this example because if, especially if it's brand new, lids are so hard on Play-Doh containers and I don't think I realized that. And the first time I actually tried to take the Play-Doh lid off, I struggled with it and I thought, oh my gosh, I've, I've watched these like four-year-old kids work and work to get this lid off and I'm having a hard time with it. So those are tough. So I get this. So they finally get it off. It has been a struggle and they finally get it, which means you operated on the rule of thumb, never do for a child that which they can do for themselves. Even if it took 30 minutes, if they finally did it, that was the goal. So your response is, you did it. Now, notice that my tone of voice elevated and my facial expression was happy. You definitely want the same principle from reflecting feelings and limit setting to apply here, which is your tone of voice and your facial expression should match. You don't want to use esteem building responses incongruently. And what I mean by that is, if the child is very frustrated and you're trying to use an esteem building response, you shouldn't sound overjoyed while the child is frustrated. And likewise, if the child finally accomplishes something, you shouldn't sound morose and down that they figured it out. So you want to make sure that those are congruent, they match. So tone of voice and facial expression are very important in the esteem building skill as well. So you would say, you did it. You got it. You didn't give up. All of those would be appropriate there. Okay, so now example two, the child works and works and is still trying to get the lid off but actually can't do it. So maybe the 30 minute time limit has already expired and they didn't ever quite figure it out or they just really realize, look, I can't do this today. That brings me to a related aside. Often kids need another opportunity on another day. So it is not necessarily, just because they couldn't get it off that day, does not necessarily mean that they can't get it off on another day. So be aware that every day is a new day and the skill is still applicable on the, the second day as well. So you may walk away going, oh, see, I thought they could do that and they couldn't. They just couldn't that day. It's similar to exercise or you know any kind of athletic pursuit. Some days you have really great days and you feel like you really you know got it, and then other days it's just harder and you struggle more. So same principle, just because they couldn't one day doesn't mean they can't another. So when they're working and working, they can't get it off. You could say, you're determined to figure that out. Or you're not giving up. You're going to keep going until you get it. Those are all appropriate esteem building responses when a child is struggling and hasn't quite figured it out yet. And notice my tone of voice and facial expression were different than when they actually got it off. Okay, so example number three. Struggling to get the dart to fit into the gun and get it, get it pushed all the way in, but finally gets it. So there's another moment of success and accomplishment. So you say, you figured it out. 
You did it. You got it. Same scenario as example one, just a different play item. So then example number four, they draw and cut and glue and they make this nondescript piece of artwork and show it to you with a smile when they're finished. So you're not really sure what it is. It has a whole bunch of stuff on it, all kinds of components to this art project. Not really sure what they made or anything about it, but they show you a smile. So you say, you really like how that turned out. Or you used so many colors. Or you knew just how you wanted that to turn out. Or you knew what you wanted to make. Or you used crayons and scissors and glue. Notice that all of those are just acknowledgement of what the child did and their effort. So now, because they showed you with a smile, I want to show you a parallel. Just like the three reflective responses, which, pop quiz, what are they? Reflecting content, reflecting feelings, tracking behavior. I know you knew those. Okay, so when you have those three opportunities, remember we've gone over in any moment, you might be able to do all three. You could track behavior, reflect content, or reflect feeling. Well, here's an opportunity to reflect feeling and or offer an esteem building response. So you could say, you knew just how you wanted that to look. You're really proud of that. Esteem building followed by a reflection of feeling. So all of these skills can be used almost incongruence with each other. So you can use one, then another, jungle them all up, and they'll all work together in any given moment. So because the child is smiling at you, you had a sense of what they were feeling. So that would have also been an opportunity for feeling reflection. But that was 201 because we're really talking about self-esteem. So I just wanted you to see that that was an opportunity to do both. Okay, and then example five. Your child is carefully setting up army soldiers, telling you about the battle that's going to take place, what's going to happen, this side's going to sneak up, and it's this whole process they have already planned out. So you could say, you have a plan. You have that all planned out. You know just what's going to happen. You figured out exactly what the battle is going to look like. Just use statements about what is going on that help them feel that they are competent and capable. So here's a note, extremely helpful consideration here. If your child is that kid that tends to ask you for help before they even try. In other words, they just default to, here, will you do this, please? Or I can't do this, you do it we can role play quickly what that might look like because that is typically the response when kids do not have a good sense of self and they don't believe that they're capable. So I would argue they've never proven to themselves that they are because they've never had to struggle and try. So conditioned response is I couldn't do it once, I gave it to someone in my life, they did it for me. Well, now I just believe that someone else will do things for me and I don't even have to try or work. Well, the reality is every child is capable. They just have to believe it. 
And the way that they begin to believe it is they're given opportunities to prove it. And that means we have to not jump in and do it for them. So child says, here, you do this. They pick up the Nerf gun and before they even try to get the, the dart in the right way, they just hand it to you. Here, you do this. So you could say, you can do it. No, you do it. I don't know how. You're not sure you can do it, but you can do it. You'll figure it out. No, I, it would just be easier if you do it here. Just do it for me, please. You really want me to do it, but I know you can handle it. So you would just continue to return responsibility to the child with the expectation of belief in their competence. You'll figure it out. You are capable. You can do it. You will know what to do. You just, again, it's you statements and you just continue to make it clear you believe in them. Okay, so we're going to segue into this story. Obviously, I'm not going to read it word for word to you because you have it on your sheets as well. But I wanna hit some highlights. I think this is such a powerful explanation of why the struggle is so important. So, true story, we're not sure where it came from, but supposedly it happened somewhere with someone. And so the short version is family, they were aware of two cocoons and they were waiting for butterflies to hatch. And what's really interesting is my mother-in-law was a kindergarten teacher for almost 40 years, I think. And part of her spring curriculum every year with her kindergartners was monarch butterflies from caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly. And that was a big lesson that they did every year. And so I have heard her stories and we actually will often have monarch cocoons and monarch butterflies hatching in our side garden at our house every spring as well. So my son will watch them and I mean it really is an amazing process to watch. If you can watch the whole progression of caterpillar to butterfly, it's just an amazing experience. So. The family in this story, same thing. They have cocoons, they're waiting for the butterfly to hatch. Well, the first one chews a tiny hole in the corner of the cocoon and works painfully, excruciatingly slowly to squeeze itself out of this hole, out of this tiny little edge of the cocoon. And it ends up kind of flopping down afterwards. The family just feels like it's exhausted. It lays there for quite a while. And then it eventually kind of perks itself up and flies away. Well, the first one hatched, they realized, oh my gosh, that was such a difficult process. So with the second cocoon, they decided they were going to help the butterfly out. So the story goes, they actually kind of made a little slit in the cocoon to kind of cut it open for the butterfly. And it, I mean, they liken it to a cesarean section, so they must have used like a little X-Acto knife or something and just like sliced open the cocoon a bit so that the butterfly had a bigger hole to come out of. And interestingly, the second butterfly never really revived. I mean, it crawled out and then it laid there and then it died. And they were really surprised and shocked and they didn't understand. And so they went to a biologist friend, the story says. I, I'm not convinced a biologist would necessarily understand the inner workings of a butterfly hatching. I would argue Lepidopterist would be a better option there. But um, I'm gonna go with Lepidopterist because they know about butterflies. So they ask this scientist, this specialist in butterflies, 
you know, what happened? We watched the first one struggle and struggle and struggle and it flies away. The second one didn't struggle at all and then it dies. You know, how do we make sense of these conflicting stories? And they were told that as they, as the butterfly squeezes through the hole to emerge and the struggle and the difficulty of that process, it actually pushes liquids from deep inside the butterfly into the body cavity, into the capillaries in the wings. That's what strengthens the wings. That's what hardens the wings. That's what gives it what it needs so that it can fly. And so that is how it becomes healthy. And the moral of the story in the bottom, without the struggle, there are no wings. So I love that picture. The family thought they were doing the butterfly a favor. They thought they were being helpful. And we always think we're being helpful to our kids when we step in and do things for them. And the reality is they don't get what they need if everything is always done for them. They have to struggle, they have to work, it has to be hard so that they build what they need internally to handle situations. So love that picture. I think it's really helpful as a reminder. And I think it just really illustrates the power of esteem building responses. So that completes esteem building for week seven. And in the next video, we will switch back to the homework assignments. See you then.